grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? He'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, how was the sickie? Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Won't that be nice? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I will always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery. Errol. And revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> there were affairs of state. But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And affairs of the heart. My Wesley will always come for me. Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse. Bye bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. It's more than turning. What's the difference? We got him. Take it away. It would take a miracle. Bye bye. It's a story of love. A tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. Transmission will start in five seconds from now. Five, four, And welcome to Waffle Arm Podcast. My name is Meds, and I'm Mark C. Kelly. Yeah, I've gone for the sh- I've gone for the shorter name now because uh, I that. What's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. Well, people know us as Meds and Cal, and um, I just thought, what's the point of saying my whole name? Yeah. Uh, my wife was asking me last night whether I'd change my last name to her last name Caval. Yeah. Right. In the real world, that'd be all right. But what would everyone call me? <laughs> no one ever calls me anything but Cal. So well, how could they do that? I suppose they they call you Cav, like Cavs for Labs. <laughs> Cav for Labs. <laughs> I thought that's not be all right if no one uses. But everyone in England uses a last name. You could never change your last name being a bloke. It's, you couldn't. Well, could I, I suppose you could. You could be, which I think is a really good sounding name. Is Kelly Caval? I know. Yeah, double barreled. 
Like, mm. but Emma would have to do the same. Yeah, that's I not going Emma, you'd do that, wouldn't you? You'd have Kelly Cavell. Yeah, it could be. No, I didn't want to pay the money. That's what it is. Didn't want to pay the money. <laughs> yeah, it is. Quite, it is That's quite what loves about in Emma's book. But is, it, say, is it free? Is it free? <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, we should uh, we should point out that we are recording again over Skype. Uh, we, we all know the reason why the world's still shit, and we're not going to talk about it. Um, but uh, yeah, we do need to have a Skype, and hopefully the next podcast will be sitting next to each other. We hope all being well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there we go. Uh, so we're hoping we're going to give a little bit of uh, Skype enjoyment to your, obviously not that kind of enjoyment. Uh, we have got video on, but that's just for us. Now you'd be you'd be proud of me, my old son. Not only did I do a, a massive catch up of staged, I've watched all of those now. Yeah, I've done them all now. Yeah, and I watched all of uh, what we do in the shadows, series one and series two in one go. <laughs> Do you remember the Mark Hamill bit, mate? Is that not oh, amazing, the Mark Oh, Hamill that's amazing. And, and how cool was that bar as well? Yeah. I just like the way, the way he's only, um, he's only uh, uh, which is jeans and he's uh, matching his mouth and no one recognised him. Nah, even his wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's brilliant in that, though. And he, Matt Berry, he's so good in that. He's born for that role, weren't he? Oh yeah, I think they, all, I think they're all brilliant in it. You know, I mean, I think a little bit like um, the in betweeners. I actually think the um, the TV series is better. No, unlike the in between, which I thought the film was better than the TV series, I yeah, think this think, is better than the yeah. film. Not that the film the film's fabulous anyway, and I love it's seeing that. It's a lot their- nicer. I think yeah. it's a lot nicer. I think that the film's got dark stuff in it. Yeah, it really has. But and that's got it's got horror elements. The horror elements in this are just silly, aren't they? They're silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I, I, I love the whole thing that, that the little bits that do are quite horror though. When uh, they've got the the sinkholes in the garden where the graves are starting to sink. Yeah, so I, I kind of binge watched all that. Um, did you pick the stage in the end? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I thought I'd like to I see think more of that. It was better at the beginning than it was at the end. I don't know because I thought it had a good story arc. I thought the fact yeah. that it built up to like you know, and I, what I liked as well. If anybody doesn't know, this is a. a it is about 25 minutes, isn't it? About yes, 20 minutes. Yeah. About a 20 minute um, program done over Skype or Zoom or whatever it is of um, David Tennant and um, Mar- Michael Sheen. But what I do like is the way they change the credits to go along with whatever they're talking about. Well, and, in- right, yeah. and including one bit where it says the fucking liar, David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you are right, though. You can see how much of a good actor uh, Michael Sheen is. I, I said he was, I think he's, you know, David Tennant's very good in it, but Michael Sheen's so good in it, isn't he? At playing yeah. around here. Because in, the, in, the, in real life, he's, he's, I think he's quite a political, serious person, isn't he? Mm. And so, you know, and he's playing this really, he's sort of being, doing the, doing the Steve Coogan role in it, in the trip, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's doing the most acting, but he's just got the, he's got the, I think brilliantly, he's like the body movement's perfect. <laughs> the way he's constantly looking over to the side all the while, that he, he's constantly distracted, you know. Yeah, he's constantly looking over there, what's going on, you know. The, the funny thing and is, he's is getting that a bit I, mad, really. I like, am currently quite distracted because yeah, you're doing my, daughter's, that. my daughter's just walked in and he's now standing yeah. hovering over me, which is, you know, slightly. Uh, you're doing a bit more machine, and that was really weird. I was talking about that, and then you were just doing more machine staring to the side. Go away. <laughs> you're just going to hang around there, are you? 
Grab, brilliant. So I'm gonna have to have to watch what where the swear goes now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah and, and then we've also got like and I have come to the conclusion as well that I, I'm starting to look more like uh, Michael Sheen we've we've beard and Shane Dooley and uh your yeah, man exactly. what's his name? Uh, the Liverpool actor. Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham. So at least you know if I if I want short money I can do some yeah, you know. Yeah. Celebrity lookalike roles. Kel, uh, well, what, first of all, what are we talking about? We are talking about the Princess Bride. And properly. what do we <laughs> properly? Don't don't give away the uh, don't give away the editing skills. Um, and, and what do we do before we do anything? Play some form of theme tune.
ready with the theme tune is because you wanted to know he's uh, once upon a time storybook of love by mark Knopfler. paints are quite quite a nice easy going bit of theme bit of a theme tune there not a standout one but no, one that's, that's was, but that's what i was thinking when you were i thought what we're we gonna play because it's in there but it's sort of not it's quite in the in the mix isn't it yeah 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 it is um so as i just said there yeah the the music's done by martin offlo and um i'm very tempted to get the soundtrack actually because i'm quite tempted to get the soundtrack actually because it is quite a melodic you know nice relaxing soundtrack is the it whole a thing. soundtrack album or is it like a, an album that they took songs from no it is a soundtrack album oh yeah. it is a soundtrack album yeah i just had to get it from youtube early on and you can actually listen to them all but i mean i'd rather go and buy it than kind of record yeah, it. yeah yeah um it's directed by rob reiner and also produced by him now our listeners will know that we've already talked about rob reiner um because he's on the spinal tap uh episode that we've done so please go see that sad news this week though cal that we lost carl reiner yeah now he's dad what a what a legend of of like uh, like american tv in cinema mm. even mal brooks it's that picture you showed me that really picture that they did not that long ago before we died and he weren't it weren't that long ago was it and it was just no. like they're all all pissing about and still he's 98 years old and they're all putting faces at each other and i thought proper people proper oh yeah people well, that, that photograph, which is my my um, background on Facebook, is um, Mel Brooks, Carl Ryder, and Dick Van Dyke because that's where they they all met. They were writing the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, I know, I know, a great great comedy thing, and I think uh, Sid Caesar as well. That was yeah. a great thing. A lot of ninety eight. Like what an amazing life to have. Oh Not yeah, ninety eight. And also, if you do get the chance, do download um, the podcast. It's called Clear and Vivid uh, with Alan Alder. And yeah. they, there was Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, and Alan Alder interviewed probably about just before lockdown, so maybe two months ago. And he's he's like on the ball, do you know what I mean? He's still chatting yeah. away and, and everything like that. So it's worth you know worth um yeah oh, right. um the, the screenplay for this is actually written by William Goldman and it's based on his own book, which is quite nice. Um, it's by Buttercup Films. That's a nice link into the the film released. September the 25th, 1987, a good, excellent running time of 98 minutes. Perfect. It had a budget of uh, 16 million and made 31 million, well, 30.9 million. Uh, again, it's another one of these films, Cal, that um, made, you know, has become more famous as it's gone on. Yeah, but I was thinking, like, like I can't remember when. I was been lying about trying to think when I first saw it. I don't think I saw it at the time because we were talking between me and you on mm. other, <laughs> the previous podcast. But also, you know, when we talked about oh, we can't remember. I don't think we went to cinema and saw it. No, no, I, because I'm not being funny. We would be Fred Savage. <laughs> I am not going to see anything like, and we would have been, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, anything with anything with the word like princess bride in the title, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not gonna. It's we're not gonna really get into it. And also as well, I I, I don't think we was into Spinal Tap then in 1987, so we didn't really know who Christopher Guest was. Um, and, and you know, we we weren't at that point of thinking, well, you know, Robin Wright looks nice. We'll go and see a film with her in. So there's no way we would have seen it on things. Yeah, so I, 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 like, in about 87. The only thing, it was like bloody young ones and Blackadder, that was it for me. And carry on. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. I mean, we would have been 14 years old as well. Yeah. So, you know, anything like this really wouldn't have been in our remit. So we must have seen it either on video, video. maybe hired the video and watched it, um, or like it was on telly, I guess. It must have been. 
Mm. Because like I said, I don't think, like I said, what you were saying, it wasn't a big deal when I saw it. I liked it when I first saw it, but it was when you got a bit older, weren't it, when you saw it again. And I think that's when you appreciated, like, the irony of it and, you know, the way it was quite arch and all these kind mm. of things. You wouldn't really get when you're young, would you? Just think it's like, oh, it's a bit silly. But then when you get older, especially when you're our age, you, know, you do know that the humour in it is, is, is clever, isn't it? It's, it's clever humour. Well, I think as well, it's one of those films that when you when like we've got friends who are American, I think it's you get to like it more through them because I think this is more of a film that Americans really enjoy more than Definitely. what English people do because of yeah, like no. you know it's got castles in it, it's all yeah. that kind of time of age, and obviously America never had anything like that, and they, they do what what's it called the Renaissance festivals? They're, they're massive, isn't they over there? They're absolutely huge. Uh, Jen, who has sent us a comment, which we'll play at the end of the podcast, um, talks about that. You know, she says about you know the, the the you know these kind of like castles that they all love and everything like that, and I think. Communication probably one of the only good things about social media is communicating with people in different countries. You kind of get more excited about their enthusiasm about those kind of films. Yeah, where when we were a kid, we were dragged around all these places. You couldn't stand it. No, I know. You know, there's um, talk about you know Kenilworth Castle. It's oh, it's a nice area though, Kenilworth, isn't it? Oh, it's a lovely area. It's lovely around there, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like there's a real nice pub there. I'm sure it's called the White Swan, opposite the castle. Could be wrong. Um, I don't know where we got into that from. Where did we go into that from? Oh, castles. I was saying saying to American, I like them castle stuff. But when you're a kid in Britain, especially bloody Warwick Castle and bloody all these castles, you drag down. You can't stand it when you're a kid, can you? You're just like, I mean, in that period, about 13 to 14, it's deeply Mm. uncalled, isn't it? Yeah the, yeah, the age that this film came out. Yeah. Also, I think as well, I think Warwick Castle used to be amazing when we were kids. It's as now, it's just much. expensive and, you know, there's, they don't have all the torture stuff they do. No. And don't you think, well, well my big problem with that place, like, they've made it so for children now. It's like adults not don't care, you're not interested. Well, I'm interested in all stuff, but I want proper stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Not horrible histories, because they've just took over it. And I don't mind horrible histories. I know you're a fan of that. I don't mind it. But there is adults who go there as well. You feel yeah. a bit weird. Me and Emma went about four years ago. And you felt weird walking around it, because there's so many children there. You're thinking, well, I want to have a look as well. You know, you know what I hate? What? Birds of Prey shows. <laughs> I what? hate them. Well, I'm not being... You, you sit there, he, out he comes with yeah. his eagle on his arm. And it flies around, great, right? Yeah. Where I live, you see birds of prey everywhere, oh. and in the sky, floating around, enjoying the stream. You get there, it's the same old, same old. All off we go, and then there's an owl. It's like, yeah. who, who gives a shit? There's owls yeah. everywhere. Why do I have to sit there, right? And all these yeah. bastard kids and everything, swanning around, yeah. <laughs> swanning around, enjoying it. And then you get the archery bit, right? You yeah. get the archery bit. No, I like it like yourself. Love yeah, a bit love of archery. It. Right, but then you always get someone who clearly does it every week, standing yeah, there yeah, showing yeah. off, and you just think, "Oh no!" And honestly, nothing makes my heart sink more that I move if I'm at one of these places where the family goes, "Shall we go and see a bird of prey show?" Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh. And I think as well, we sometimes in castles just allow them to be ruins. Yeah. Use your imagination. Well, I think that's what's nice about Kenilworth Castle, though. Walk, walk round and just soak it in and have a think about what's, what it is. What about Wheelie Castle? Oh, I've been there. <laughs> awful. No, no, that's too much imagination. When that's it's just a, a stone, isn't it? When it's a brick in the ground, you need a bit more and something more. 
bloody... Oh, Christ, yeah. why, why don't, Sorry, you go... don't ever come over to Birmingham, Birmingham look for Wheelie Castle, thinking it's going to be like Princess Bride. It is <laughs> Princess Bride would be very different in Wheelie Castle. Oh, I think it will be. Why don't Why don't you stick a uh, stick a log in the back garden? Call it Caval Castle. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people in his film, let's have a chat about those. So Peter Falk plays the grandpa and the narrator. Uh, he was uh, born. Was he, in... doing, was he doing Columbo when this? Was he must yeah. have been like, yeah, yeah, Colombo went on up until his death, I think. Yeah, um, he was born September the 16th, 1927, in New York City and passed away uh, June the 23rd, 2011, aged 83. So, not bad going there. Yeah. Um, very prolific actor, um, but really, as you say, only well known as uh, being in Colombo, yeah. And, now, yeah I, and, I, and I gotta say, I've never heard him moan about it either. Because I was reading in the paper, like Jennifer Aniston moaning about Rachel in Friends, saying it's ruined her life. Really? Yeah, she's, she's worth £250 million. Pound. Yeah, that's ruined your life, £50 million dollars a year from Friends. How's that ruining your life? Said no one takes her seriously, an actress. What? <laughs> well, I, I think that's crap, because she has done some good stuff since, and she's got some good praise since then. And no, I know. And the same thing, the interview, like, Matt LeBlanc, and he said... I'm not bothered about it. He said most actors would be grateful for having a role that people like. Well, Matt, Matt LeBlanc went off and just retired for a bit, didn't he? And, and yeah. he said all he did was eat, eat pizza and uh, yeah. watch, play, do loads of gaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think now he just does what he wants to do, doesn't he? Doesn't exactly, really care. Exactly. But I, I think, think that's a strange way to be, to be ungrateful for being famous. Most actresses or actors would give the right arm to be that famous, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, exactly. And also, it's. I mean, there's a little bit of... Um, a thing later on, uh, Mandy Pantink, oh, yeah. Pantinkin, who played uh, Montoya, Indigo yeah. Montoya. Now, he, he, he turned around and says that at least two to three times a day, somebody will shout at him, you know, <laughs> you killed my father, prepared to die. And he loves it. He says, no, he says, because surely it's got to be better, yeah. best to be well known for something rather than nothing at the end of the day. How many actors, men, do it alive and no one ever knows who they are? And I thought, exactly. yeah. I mean, you, you, thing to say. you go and say that to some actor working as a waiter in LA, yeah, desperate yeah, yeah. to try and get his break, and say that to him. Do you know and what I'm not being funny, mate. Jennifer Aniston is not Meryl Streep. No, no. She's one trick pony. She's all right at what she does. Mm. She looks good, though. She looks good. Like, cost, cost a lot as well, doesn't it? <laughs> I think Lisa, <laughs> I don't think Lisa Kudrow's had any work, though. No, I think she's the one. I think you've never heard her moan about, like, about friends and stuff. I've been thinking about that fifty million pound a year coming into. Apparently, it was uh, apparently it was Lisa Kudrow who was the um, the negotiator for for the whole team in the wages and everything. Was it? Yeah, so you just got to show the opposite of characters, really, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, what's going to happen with that like Friends anniversary? Is that still going to happen, or do you reckon that'll be done? No, that's. No, I think that'll flow by now. There's no point. It's missed its slot, hasn't it? And yeah. maybe for the best. I mean, we watch Friends every day. I mean, Isla's on series six now. She's watched it from the first episode all the way up. And it is great. I mean, uh, yeah, there are some things in it which I suppose you can look back now and say there's, 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 there's some kind of like sexism to a certain degree. And, you know, whether the opinions of, you know, um, I don't know if it's homosexuality or drag queens or whatever like that, I guess. But, you know, at the time, it was 1994. And also when you rewatch them, you know, it's the first time you ever see anything like that where Chandler, you know, Chandler's dad becomes a woman. 
Yes, transsexual. You're transsexual, yeah. And, of course, and say, oh, well, it's disgraceful the way that. Well, no, I'm sure that, you know, you can see the fact that Chandler was traumatized by it because she would be. Yeah. <laughs> if your dad becomes a woman yeah. who's sleeping with the houseboy. Yeah, yeah. It ain't going to go down that well, is it? Uh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Anyway, um, so Peter Falk never moaned. Never thought. And I, of course, I told you that interesting fact about uh, Mrs. Columbo. No, no, I, I've never heard this story before, Meds. Yeah, you. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You're absolutely no, I thought we meant to be like the other podcasts don't exist. <laughs> you keep mentioning it. <laughs> it does. And it, it would work if I was actually talking to a fellow actor, but frankly, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go on, tell that story again. Well, uh, do you know who? who... <laughs> no. Who is? Who plays Mrs. Columbo? Kate Mulgrew. I know, but that's. A, it's a, I just. <laughs> was she ever seen? No, it's a proper TV series. I just can't. It was it ever, no, it wasn't no. She she played Mrs. Columbo in her own TV series. Was that on, ever shown over here? No, I don't think so. No. It's fascinating me that has. I don't. I, I, you never saw who played Mrs. Columbo in Columbo. I wonder if Columbo was in Mrs. Columbo ever. You know, part of me, I don't think so, yeah. because that would have been a bit like I think what. I why I stopped watching Supergirl was because they brought Superman in, and I thought you don't yeah. need to. It's a perfectly good character as it is. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Talking yeah. about um, actors who were um, in very well-known TV programs, Fred Savage uh, plays the grandson. Uh, he was born July the 9th, nineteen seventy-six. Still younger than us in Chicago. Um, how how can he still actor. be younger than? <laughs> <laughs> and he was, of course, in the Wonder Years. Was you a Wonder Years fan? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I think. This was a period of our life, weren't we, where you're starting going out and hanging out a lot, aren't you? Yeah. So bits and bobs, I do, you know, I, I watched bits of it. I, I watched the first season and then sort of watched the thing. But we were sort of going out then and weren't we mm. started going out. But it was good. And like Fred Savage was really good in it. But it was the other kid who everyone liked, didn't it? Wasn't it? His friend. Yeah. Who everyone said was Kevin Manson, didn't they? That was a rumour going around for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it isn't, is it? It'd be amazing if it was. Wouldn't it? I, I quite like the girl in it, so yeah, yeah. I think you everyone know, there was did. Lots of them kind of things like that. Like, like that and Degrassi Junior High, weren't that? Doogie Remember Hauser, Doogie Hauser MD, Doogie which Hauser. is you in it. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, yeah, all them, yeah. What's the other one as well? Yeah, what's I Freaks, like and Freaks and Geeks? Did you ever see Freaks and Geeks? No. Judapato's first series. That Actually, one. I saw that on Netflix. That's on Netflix now, isn't it? Watch it, Meds. Seth yeah. Rowe, that were all really young in it. It's really good. Do I have so to? It's got one season. It was cancelled because it was a bit too weird. It's very weird. Ah, right. Weird as in, like, round the twist or not? Yeah, very oh, odd. It? People thought, uh, you know, didn't the kids weren't really watching it. It was adults, so they sort of scrapped it. Anyway. I think that was a bit like round the twist in the end. That ended up being more adults. Um, okay, uh, Carrie Elways plays Wesley, uh, dead pirate Robert Stroke, the man in black. Born Ivan Simon Carey Elways on the 26th of October 1962 in Westminster, London. So... And yeah. he's a good-looking fella, isn't he? And I thought, right, his always thought he was American because his accent's not that great, isn't it, is it? His accent's very plummy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really weird English accent. Um, Robin Wright plays Buttercup, stroke the Princess Bride, born Robin Gale Wright, April the 8th, 1966, in Dallas, Texas. Kel, you've got an interesting fact uh, via Emma regarding yeah, well, uh, Robin Wright. Oh, no, Emma tweeted the, the woman, didn't you? Tweeted the woman who did the clothing for, uh, and she got back to you, didn't she? Yeah. 
Now, that's the good sign of Twitter, that is, because I've been only been Twitter about six weeks and I get dragged into horrible things. I need to stay away from it. <laughs> well, no, you just, just follow people well, you really like. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I got the other week, I got just into stuff and I thought, no, I'm not doing that anymore because it makes you angry, doesn't it? Because mm. Dom Jolly was on there saying, just have positivity on your on your Twitter. That's the only way you'll survive with it. And I thought, it's so right, isn't it? Yeah, and that's you, where Twitter can be good, like getting in touch with. I haven't done it yet. I nearly did it the other night to someone. I thought I wanted to tweet Ricky Gervais something, but I thought, oh, but you say, no, just do it, didn't you? Just, just do it. Yeah, just do it. I mean, you, you know, don't, you never get upset if they don't get back to you. Because, I mean, someone like Ricky Gervais is going to have loads of people get in touch. But I've had, um, in fact, I can tell you who I've had, if I get my phone at the moment and have a look. Um, especially if you tweet people who are, um, you know, not that well known, do you know what I mean? They, they tend to sort of like, um, yeah. always get back to you. So, so yeah. that is, there is a lot of good stuff on there. I mean, I tend to, I've been doing a bit of a cutback on all the people that I follow because yeah. it was just getting, just getting too much and all that. And, you know, we live in a lockdown at the moment and we, we see all the protest stuff going on. I don't really need to read it on Twitter and, no, and all right. that. If, if I want to look it up, I can do. But, yeah, no, don't be afraid to, to tweet anybody because it's a private message anyway. Mm. And some, nine times out of ten, their, their kind of staff will go through it and say, oh, this is actually quite interesting. You might like this. Yeah, because um, I don't think they're having it to directly to the phone. They're having it through... Yeah, it'll go for the publicist. I mean, some people who do like, I think um, Richard E. Grant does because he's been doing all the whiff now quotes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I, 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 I believe Patrick Stewart does as well. All oh, right. Uh, big Pat, big Pat Stewart. Hmm. No, but Robin Wright's not quality. Oh yeah, yeah. So, what did Emma tweet about her costumes? It was a costumes because, like, I don't know if if anyone watched, um, like, anyone out there who watched House of Cards. The one thing about House of Cards, it was some of the best set designs and clothing I've ever seen on TV. It was absolutely perfect. And like Emma was like amazed with like Robin Wright in it because she was so, like so sexy, but without mm. being overt like nowadays. It was like classic, yeah. classically cut clothes and pencil skirts. And Emma just tweeted about how much she liked her thing and she sent her a thing back and it's like, oh, that's really, really good. Yeah. That was before it went crap, so. <laughs> <laughs> First three yeah. seasons, amazing. Mm. Kevin Spacey leaving, eh. even yeah. though he, you know pervert and all that, but he was <laughs> he was bloody brilliant in it. He was bloody brilliant in it. I think he's a bit more than a pervert, mate. I oh, know. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be Prince Andrew there. <laughs> what? It's even worse. <laughs> Prince Andrew's. Well, wow, he shouldn't have done them kind of things. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was a very, he was a very naughty boy. <laughs> Have you have you seen that um, they've arrested his uh, ex assistant? Oh, he'll be absolutely bricking it now, won't he? Because she'll oh, do yeah. a deal. She'll do a deal now. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen that uh, Epstein documentary on Netflix? I, is it really good? It's one of them I, things where I'm part of me is interesting to watch it because I don't know. I don't know a lot about the whole case. I know the obvious bits and stuff like that, and the fact that he, you know, he's a scumbag. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was going to watch it because I'd like to know more about the facts. Yeah, not me. Yeah. But the other part of me was like, I really didn't want to waste my Friday getting oh. angry by some dirty people. Horrible billionaire. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's like, so it's kind of like I will, I will watch it, but I'd much rather right, watch yeah. Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know I mean. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we'll have to see what goes on. Um, 
Uh, Mandy uh, Patinkin plays uh, Indigo Montoya. He was born uh, on November the 30th, 1952. Again, in Chicago. Virtually every single person in this film is uh, born in Chicago. Now, he he, he looks totally different now. Um, I mean, I know this is like 30-odd years on. Um, but, I mean, he's got he's got quite grey and a massive beard. Um, do you recognise him from being in anything else? Like I said, I think a lot of the people in this... I, you know, apart from like Robin Wright, and like I said, as we talk about someone else, I'll wait till you get round to it. No, it's like you, I just never, has, has there ever been like a cast really get together? Have you ever done like, um, what do they call it, a reunion? Yeah, funny enough, when I was grabbing the clips for the podcast, there is a 25 uh, year um, on, you know, the, the, the American um, news, uh, sorry, American magazine called Entertainment. Yeah, Week, yeah. Entertainment Weekly. They did a yeah. twenty-five year get together, and it had uh, it had Carrie on there, Robin Wright. Um, it had uh, Wally Shawn, um, Billy Crystal, and uh, Carol Kane. Oh, and um, who else did it have on there? It had uh, not Christopher Guest. He weren't there. Uh, Chris Savenden. He was on it. And there's all. T- I was going to put that at the end of the podcast, but I, it's not that great. It's it's good if you watch the full version of it, but oh, right. been, and there was there was like they did that, um, you know, that kind of photograph that they put on the front page where they all get together and do that. So that's the only thing. Oh, right. And on the DVD, there's a there's a little reunion get together by with Carey and uh, and Robin talking to Rob Reiner. Oh, okay, that's oh. worth looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Soundon uh, as Prince Humperdinck. Uh, he, <laughs> he was born. Uh, July twenty fourth, nineteen forty two. So I mean, he's he's seventy seven. He looks bloody good. No, like I've, like I've said before, um, uh, he if he's not the thing of Shrek, the Prince fucking what is it, Farquhar anyway. Farquhar. If that's not it's meant to be him, because I like I've said, you know, I don't know what people think, but there's so much of this in Shrek, isn't that? Oh yeah, he's known for Dog Day Afternoon and Fright Night. Oh, Friday night, obviously. Friday night. I love the original Friday night. Everybody running with Dowling, innit? Ah. There you go. Now you say, he's a bloody next door vampire, innit? And that's amazing you looked that shocked considering I actually told you that the first time we recorded his podcast. I'm trying to make it sound, that's good acting. You just told me not to act. And I just acted. I know, I just just wanted to burst your bubble. Um, yeah. uh, Christopher Guest plays um, Count Tyrone Rugen again guys if you want to know more about Christopher Guest go back to our uh, Spinal Tap it episode it doesn't look like Christopher Guest does it no way I, I, you know I forgot he was in it and, until the, like, the ending I thought where's Christopher Guest in it he's one of them people he's been in loads of stuff and he always looks different doesn't he yeah you know what I watched that yesterday what the Truman Show it's been put on Netflix now. Yeah. Still really good. I watched Honestly, it mate, it's amazing. It's amazing. Role, it? I like it more now than I ever done before. Especially One, because of that, I miss Jim Carrey. But two, Harry Shearer's in it. Who's Harry he, Shearer? Harry Shearer plays the interviewer who interviews Christoph, yeah. uh, played by Ed Harris, um, um, halfway through the programme as a news kind of thing. Hence, nope. hence the link to Christopher Guesser. I am. Mate, that my podcast material is Truman Show. Oh, and you know who will do? Who will join us for that? Pete Coleman. Pete is, is he a big he's, fan of it? He's a massive fan of it. He's got a huge poster of uh, the Truman Show on his on his wall. There you go. Yeah. That might be our first triumphant podcast. Yeah, triumphant podcast. Yeah, 
Triumphant is in the not as in the thing as in the Roman triumphant meaning three. Have you just made that up? No, it's true. Is it really? Yeah, that's where it comes from. The Roman word for triumphant meaning three. Oh, right. There you go. Why? Why? Don't know. Because three of us going to be doing a podcast. All right. Okay. Mm. I would have just said menage a trois. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but your mind's always in the uh, gutter, so it is. I'm trying Pure to raise it up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, Wally Sean plays Vizzini, born November the 12th, 1943, in New York City. Now, I didn't know this. In fact, Jen mentions this on her comment, which you'll hear later on. According to his IMDb page, um, what what do we know um, Sean, uh, uh, Wally Sean, as being in? I can't think. What, what? Come on, you know, he's one of your famous TV, favourite TV programmes. There's loads of spin-off TV programs of it. Started with Shatner in 1966. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah is it? DS9. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Plays the Grand Nagus. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. I, you know what? I completely forgot about that. You know, I was thinking, who is he through it? Because I don't do IMD. Because I wait to the podcast. You can tell it me, so I'm getting it straight from the source. You are <laughs> a, an influence of, uh, of, of comedy purposes for that. <laughs> But uh, no, how old is how old is he? Uh, he is seventy six years old now, and again, like like a lot of people who are bald, right? Doesn't look that old. No, no, and doesn't really come across as Sicilian. <laughs> no, he, he comes across as a New he? he comes across as a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's really uh, that's sort of what I like about this film, where like there's some people speaking English and some people just speaking in their own language. It's like speak, a bit like um. Rubbing up Prince of Thieves, isn't it? It don't matter. Nah, best I think about it. You see, and that's when it goes wrong when you get like, um, what's his name, Russell Crowe playing Robin Hood in, in the last Robin Hood. I like that Robin Hood, but there's no need to try that weird accent. I mean, to be fair, his accent's pretty good because that is a mix of Derby and Nottingham, I suppose. Yeah, but if you go and ask somebody from Derby and Nottingham if they think it's any good, and they'll say no. Yeah, like, like Peaky Blinders, isn't it? Don't, you know, the accents have got better and better and better in that because obviously Killian Murphy's got better at it, but he still don't really sound like a Brummie. No, there was only one person who sounded like a Brummie, and that was somebody who didn't even come from Birmingham. Actually, no, the only one who did come from Birmingham wasn't he the barman? The barman, yeah. yeah. There's a couple in it as well who's from Birmingham as well. Right. And Benjamin Zephaniah's in it, you know, but he was. He's not in it anymore. Ah. Um, Andre the Giant as a. Oh, Talking about people from Birmingham on that stage, uh, I see what you mean by um, oh, what's oh, his name? Adrian uh, Lester. Adrian Lester. I mean, I thought he sounded pretty brummy anyway when he was on it, but then when he did Shakespeare in the Birmingham accent, but what made me laugh was like um, Martin Sheen going into his massive Welsh Welsh <laughs> boyo accent. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that is like the thing that the myth that brummies tell the South, and he William Spice sounded like a brummy. <laughs> so, I think we didn't, did he? <laughs> I suppose he might have done a little bit, but we, but not as not as uh, he wouldn't oh, have gone no. yellow light, would he? Because <laughs> 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 Birmingham people don't say that. Um, Andre the Giant plays uh, Fezzik, uh, birth name uh, Andre Reni Rusinov, uh, born May the 19th, 1949, yeah. in uh, Coulomiers Saint Etmelien in France. Uh, died January the 27th, 1993, aged only 46, which is how marvelous. tall was he? Seven foot seven. What the hell? That seven is, in... yeah, you know. It's tall people about, isn't that? But you think seven foot seven? Mm-hmm. That is like me being on your shoulders, something like that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, the minute he, 
Apparently his, his hands were that big, they covered the whole of Robin Wright's head because he used to put his hand over when she got cold. Well, that says something, doesn't it? But apparently as well, there is a story of him that he absolutely got smashed on something like 16 bottles of wine one night and uh, and passed out in the hotel corridor. And they had to just put a rug over him because they couldn't move him. Yeah. And then he got up and was all right. <laughs> but I think he was in a lot of pain for most of his life, wasn't he, with his size and that? Well, he was a wrestler and he, he couldn't um, he couldn't actually lift anybody up um, during all the scenes. So he, a lot of the people on winches, obviously the, the last scene where they're on the horse is not him, somebody else. Yeah, it was a lot of pain because, like that, I think that um, disease that he had, which made him be a giant, where your lungs and your, your, all that sort of carry on growing, ultimately are, are going to kill you. Which is it's amazing he made a life out of it, though, didn't he? Made oh, a lot yeah. of people happy. And apparently, he was an absolutely lovely bloke as well. People couldn't, and he loved this film. He was quite just saying the reason why he loved it was everyone treated him the same. There's no, you know, special, yeah. not special. Special treatment, but kind of like staring at him a little bit because yeah. like people who are really small, like yourself, yeah, and people like him, you know, they stand out in a crowd, and it's, it's quite nice for him to be able to do it. Do a, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, you've never really seen anyone that I know. Dave Batista's pretty big, but he's not like that size, is he? No, I think, but I think Batista's only about six foot five. I think. I mean, I think Merchant's probably taller than Batista, but I mean, you know, that's he's tall, not a giant. I don't yeah. think we've got anybody like that, have we? I, I, said, I think they've probably got a medical has helped a lot of that kind of things, isn't it? Yeah, I should think so. How big's the rock? Oh god, he's a big bloke, you know. Some of them wrestlers. Is he though? Or is that no. one of them things where he just looks big because he's wide? Yeah, that's a good point. All all the others are all the other wrestlers are big and most actors are quite small, aren't they? Yeah, like Tom Cruise and his heels. Yeah, yeah. Um, the pictures of Pabst, I've been doing flying, hanging out of a helicopter on the new Mission Impossible film. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that his new shtick, though, now that he has to hang out or something and all that? But he's like a Scientology Superman, and he's like, it's like, there's nothing wrong with having a stuntman doing it. You know, it's no. like, that's what they're for. Anyway. I, saw, I saw an interview with him the other day where um, uh, he, got, I think it was a couple of years old, but he was getting really rad when uh, the interviewer just brought up Scientology, and you could see that he's, he's he just changed totally into like this kind of slightly powering kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. sad really. Are you going to go and see that new Top Gun? Ooh. Now you know, I don't know because I wasn't a I've got to say I was a massive fan of the original. Were you? Well, no, not really. I mean, I think it's more of a you know people who kind of like the cruiser and load of men naked. Playing volleyball. Yeah. erotic, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like. I like it more like, now. I, I like it well, now. I watched it the other week and it's, oh, you know. Yeah, it's I don't a think I saw it since the time, I don't think. It's very ever... stereotypical, though. Very 80s, isn't it? Very, very 80s. 80s. You've got the chomping cigar guy, you know, who's in charge of them all, and all the kind of back slapping, chest hugging crap yeah. that you get. Val well, Kilmer's back in that new one. I want to see what he looks like. <laughs> it looks really weird. Looks, apparently, it looks very weird. I don't know why. Gonna, I like Val Kilmer a lot, but he's I've read some amazing stuff about him. He was a proper horrible person to work with. Yeah, apparently he was a bit of a bell end, wasn't he? Yeah. Brilliant actor, but sort of knew about it as well, which is the worst in an actor, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think he took the whole thing of being Jim Morrison a bit too too far and all, didn't he? Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, last three people in this as well. Uh, Billy Crystal plays uh, Miracle Max. Um we're going to be doing a Billy Crystal film soon, aren't we? I think we, we, do, we just did we decide we're going to do a Billy Crystal film. <laughs> we are because we do a little bit. We don't know which one yet, though, because you got to think you want like prime. 
Billy Crystal. It might end up being the bloody... Uh, what's the one with the horse and uh, with Jack Palance in it? City Slickers. City Slickers. Love City Slickers, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is ultimate Billy Crystal. That is Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's Jack Palance. I love Billy Jack Palance. Jack Palance. He's got a face like a leather bag. <laughs> yeah. He only played Jack Palance in everything he ever did. And fair play to him. So yeah, Shatner, yeah. to be fair, but yeah. I think we know who's the better actor out of Jack Palance and William Shatner. <laughs> Uh, Carol yeah. Kane plays Valerie, Max's wife. Again, perfectly cast, wonderful actress. And Peter Cook plays the impressive clergyman. Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> Should we go yeah, for the again, film though, then? But the thing with that, you're just saying, right? In my head, when I first saw this when I was younger, they were in it for ages. Mm. I remember. But they are, you could add Billy Crystal and Peter Cook and Mal Smith. What? Five. Ten minutes between them? Not even well, that. Not even that. Not even that. I reckon you're Peter probably Cook. looking at. How long's Peter Cook in it? Three minutes. I'd, I'd say two. <laughs> two minutes, really. I mean, you, you put the film head, at night. You remember it's Peter Cook? It's like yeah, but like I said, Billy Crystal. There's one bit, but I thought there was loads of him in it, but there really isn't because I think that's the amazing running time of it. Mm. Just, just constantly brings on brilliant people, doesn't it? So you're thinking, you went, oh, there must have been it for ages. Because the next scene was even funnier than the other one, and even funnier than the other one, and even funnier. Brilliant. And that's what, and that's what uh, you know. When I when we originally uh, uh, talked about this, um, I hardly made any notes, and now I have. If you look at this, I've made a bit more, uh, but yeah. only because of our company. But I think it's because of I was when when I watched it initially, I was so busy just sat there one, almost kind of like enthralled in watching the film, yeah, and yeah, really yeah. enjoying it. And that's the thing when you, when you, unfortunately, one of the downsides of doing this podcast, apart from that, we get, I mean, we do watch great films, but you, you, you end up kind of like, yeah, you have to watch it differently and you're analysing it and you're writing notes down. I do it with MASH, you know, I do the MASH stuff and that, and I, I'm actually looking forward to when that podcast finishes, I can yeah. go back and watch MASH as a viewer as well. Rather I can turn than, the right. One of my favourite writers is Chuck Bahunik, who, write, uh, who wrote uh, Fight Club and all that, and he did a book all about why you should never do a film course because if you do a film course it'll ruin films for you mm. and i've done that film because and it does but now i'm quite good at it just try and watch it yeah, yeah try yeah. and watch it because you know i think sometimes meaning and subtext and that you can get carried away with it just watch the film and that's what i like about tarantino because tarantino said when i watch a film i just watch it yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. can be shit. It can be amazing. It can be cheap or high budget. I don't care. Does it entertain me? And if I really like it, I can watch it again. Then can't you? Mm. And then you can break it down. But if, I know what you're saying. Some, sometimes, like when I do this, like you're saying, I just watch it now. I just watch it because at first I was trying to do notes like you were saying. I couldn't do it because I was just carried up in the. And then I keep stopping it and then rewind. I thought, nah, just watch it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't this need to do film those. Is not film th- th- this podcast is not about film theory, is it? It's about nah. love of film, isn't it? Nah. And also, I've, I've got to the point now where I, I, I used to listen to quite a few podcasts that were kind of like going into films and, uh, and all that. And I ended up getting a bit bored by it because um, it's like, don't get me wrong, I, I love facts about yeah, films. I like little kind of Easter eggs and stuff like that. I mean, let's face it. If you want Easter eggs in films, you can't go wrong with Disney films. We watched yeah. Frozen 2 last night. Yeah. And because um, we've got Disney Plus. And there's loads of little kind of Easter oh, yeah. eggs in there. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I quite like that. But I can't stand the whole kind of like conceptual chat about films and, and everything like that. The trouble is as well, I think both me and you, back when we were younger, 
used to kind of like have the Halliwell's film book yeah. and then and then I used to like tick everything off then look up and because I, I still do the same thing now with IMDB I can't yeah. watch a film I mean really what I should do is when I watch a film I think we're going to watch well me and Natalie are going to watch something tonight I'm just I should just put my phone upstairs yeah because I end up looking up I- IMDB Looking at who the director is, then it's just kind of like I'm losing the, you know, the will to to live on it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, and I think you've got, and, you know, there is a place for that, you know, there, there really is because sometimes mm. I do lots of that. But I think there's nothing better than just stopping all outside influence. That's why the cinema's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Because you've got all outside influences, and you don't do that when you get the cinema, do you? You might do it when you get home. But you just watch it, yeah. You know, just watch mm. the source. And take it in and see what effect. If you want to know more, you can do it when you get home. But that is a that is a bit, you know. I think sometimes. But, but I know you were saying that you you what when you know when you did your notes back, it was all right because you'd already watched it just purely, hadn't you? Mm. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go. Let's go through the film. Um, so he starts off with a beautiful young woman named Buttercup who lives on a farm in the fictional county or country of Florin. Um, her farm well, hand uh, is called... Uh, 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 I think you've got that wrong, haven't you? No, it starts with Fred Savage in bed. Oh, yes, it does, yeah, but I thought that we'd already know that. Do you want to talk about that then? Yeah, well, it's, when it starts, like, it's all the beginning, the, you know, the beautiful screenwriting and all that, the you know, the text and all that, and then it goes to... Fred Savage being in bed playing his old school. I think it was a, was it that was a Nintendo? No, it wasn't an N64, was it then? Must have been no, in the 80s. That must have been his, um, would it be an Atari? His, well, whatever he's playing, he's playing like that. And then he's ill, but you don't know he's ill. When his mum gets his grandfather to come round, his oh, grandfather's you, you, you do know he's ill because on the when you get the 20th Century Fox touchstone thing, you hear him coughing before you see him. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very good. That's one. Right. Okay, good. Uh, that weren't on the other podcast. <laughs> Shut up. What other podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what other podcast? That no one will ever hear. It's, um, it's, I love it's the been... same kind of thing, as I told you about my fact. It's not quite as much as that, but we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. Just remember. It's a bit oh, yeah. like ours. It's a bit like ours. <laughs> not quite like that one. Anyway, so it starts off and his dad, and it's sort of, I suppose now if you're going to do a remake, you could still have that scene, couldn't you? With yeah. a little kid on his mobile or something, couldn't you? And his grandparents come round to read him a book. He's like, a book? A book? A book. And that'd be even worse. It'd be even more relevant now. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's a book about princesses and, blah, blah, and about kissing. Because I'm not interested in that. And he starts reading the book and then carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do get a little bit. I think maybe this is an 80s thing where um, it kind of interacts, interacts back to them reading the book. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it's like it's a bit. Yeah. Ooh, talk about eighties, typical waffle on on um, YouTube or I think I saw it on Facebook. There's a load of people who who were in uh, John Hughes films like Michael Keaton and all yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, re redoing a couple of the lines from each film. Oh uh, right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just before I'm, I was bound to forget. Yeah, that, yeah, right. that's amazing. Uh, okay, yeah. So. Um, the farmhand is called Wesley, and he only ever asks, only ever says one word, and that's "as you wish," yeah. which, we, of course, we find out later means "I love you." Now, I'd forgotten all about that, had you? Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about. Like, like I said, it's sort of the beginning bit. I don't remember that stuff. I remember the, the Fred Savage in bed. Then I remember all the other stuff climbing up the rope. But that bit in between it, I, don't, I didn't really remember that. But like I said, because you're younger and you just skip them sort of bits in your head, didn't you? 
I think it's as well because it's a bit romantic y. Yeah, yeah. But now, having re watched it, I think it's beautiful, that is. Well, well, a nice just three words. And I can see now why. And I don't think I don't think really many British people do, but I know I think I, I often think that Americans are more romantic than British. I do you know, know what I mean? I, I think they've got a little bit more heart and soul to everything. And a load of people have got married, haven't they, by saying "as you wish," which is probably oh, better than uh, than I do. That's lovely. I mean, that's lovely. That's lovely, yeah, isn't, it? Nice, isn't it? Yeah. After after we knew our vows, well, not me and you, but not yeah. me. <laughs> that is a bit weird. Man. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they end up like getting together, don't they? And then um, he decides to leave to seek his fortune so they can ma- uh, get married. But unfortunately, his ship is attacked by dead pirate Roberts, who is infamous for never leaving survivors, and he's believed to be dead. Now, a good five years later, which I'm glad they put that up five years later. Although to be fair, they don't look five years older. Uh, no, they really don't. Uh, Buttercup is forced into marriage to Prince Humperdinck. What a wicked name, Humperdinck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good in it, isn't he? Oh, God, he really is. And not uh, not overly used in his film as well, which I think and, is quite nice. And don't you think that some of Alan Rickman's in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is him? Oh, and I think a mixture of him and also uh, Christopher Guest. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, that, I think there's a special scar down the cheek. All right, because I think... Like, I think this was before Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, wasn't it? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was 89, wasn't it? Yeah, this is like, yeah. So like he's that. got the Let's Cancel Christmas, one of the great... I know people don't like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but I really enjoy it. I like Costa, though. I like Costa in that. I do. I know it's ridiculous and none of it makes any sense because he's, he's by Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, he's like, what's he doing all there? <laughs> what's he doing in Scotland? Nowhere <laughs> near where the, uh, the yeah. wall was with Richard the oh, Lionheart. Well, as a rump, mate, it's brilliant, isn't it? Will Scarlet, Christian Slate is really good, isn't it? And uh, easy. Oh, quite like, I quite like I like Will Scarlet, but Christian Slate was really cool then, though, weren't he? I, I know the reason why you like Christian Slate, but we're not going to go into that conversation again. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan yeah, Freeman's yeah, in it. Slater. My re- my rebound, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you got Morgan Freeman in that as well, and you know my fact about uh, Robin Hood, Princess Thieves, don't you? No, what's that? You know, my fact? You know I did that um, Iron Age weekend. You did, yeah. I went and I went and did a, an Iron Age weekend, and uh, so you had to live in the, the kind of hut. You wore the clothes. You had to eat the food and, and and live like in an Iron Age. The guy who ran it was the person who fires the flaming arrow at the beginning of the film from the Ooh, tower. That's a good fact. No, yeah, Johnny's. Did you mate. get to fry a flaming arrow? I've got to fly arrows. I've got to shoot arrows. There's a picture of me on Facebook uh, in the gear, and I've got the same haircut and beard as I did with as Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Oh, that point. There and I was a bit chubby as well, wearing a big. Pe- I got so sunburned. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. It was awful. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, so five years later, Buttercup's forced to marry Prince Humperdinck, but she's cad- kidnapped by three outlaws, a short Sicilian called Vizzini, a giant from Greenland named Fezic, and a Spanish fencing master named Indigo Montoya, who secretly revenge, is after revenge of a six-fingered man who killed his father. But they are followed by a mysterious man in black. Not that mysterious, though, Cal. No, not really, because, one, he looks exactly the same as he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, that's the thing with Buttercup's like, do you recognise his chin? Because his chin, yeah. he ain't got a beard. <laughs> so, he's, well, the only thing he's got, he's got a moustache, isn't he? 
Yeah. Right. But his eyes are the same. His voice is the same. His hair's the same. <laughs> Bit of a giveaway, <laughs> isn't it? Really. Yeah. <laughs> now, the man in black does catch up with the outlaws at the top of the cliffs of insanity, and he defeats Indigo in a duel and knocks him unconscious. Kel, would you like me to play the clip? Go on. I promise I will not kill you until you reach the top. That's very comforting, but I'm afraid you'll just have to wait. I hit with him. I could give you my word as a Spaniard. No good. I've known too many Spaniards. Is there any way you trust me? Nothing comes to mind. I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya. You will reach the top alive. Throw me the rope. Don't by any chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand. Do you always begin conversations this way? My father was slaughtered by a six-fingered man. Was a great sword maker, my father. When the six-fingered man appeared and requested a special sword, my father took the job. He slept a year before he was done. Never seen its equal. Six finger man returned and demanded it. But at one tenth his promised price, my father refused. Without a word, the six finger man slashed him through the heart. I love my father. So naturally, I challenged his murderer to a duel. I fired. Six finger man lived me alive. But he gave me this. How old were you? I was 11 years old. When I was strong enough, I dedicated my life to the study of fencing. So the next time we meet, I will not fail. I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You've done nothing but study swordplay. What pursuer than a study like You see, I cannot find it. It's been 20 years now I started to lose confidence. I just work for Ficina to pay the bills. It's not a lot of money in revenge. Will I? I certainly hope you find him someday. You're ready then? Whether I am or not, you've been more than fair. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. Begin. 
using Bonetti's defense against me, huh? I thought it fitting, considering the rocky terrain. Naturally. You must expect me to attack with Capaferro. Naturally. But I find that Tibble cancels out Capaferro. Don't you? Unless the enemy has a study, he's a glipper. Which I have. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become so. I admit it, you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. Hmm. You're amazing. I ought to be after 20 years. Oh, there's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Hey. A stained glass window as an artist like yourself. However, since I can't have you following me either. <coughs> Please understand, I hold you in the highest respect. Now, that is a wonderful scene, of course. the um, You're a bit of a man. You love your sword fights, don't you? Oh, I bloody love it. It's an amazing sword fight. I said, the only thing that, that, that I think, because it's, it's, it's like a Errol Flynn kind of um, sword fight in which I like, but acrobatic. Yeah. The only thing that lets it down now is because the modern, because it looks so high res now, some of the sets are a bit, a bit plastic, plasticky, aren't they? Yeah. And when you see him drive over, you see the crash map, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the flip over, which is an amazing flip over, but you see the crash map because, look, now they just go back in and cover everything up, don't they? But that's the only thing, but that doesn't hold it, but it's an amazing fight. One, because it's so polite, don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, as you can tell by the clip there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love about that. It's the politeness of it, the chivalry of it, isn't it? Mm. And he thinks he's got the run up him because he's doing it with his left hand. He's having a laugh to himself, isn't he? Because, ha-ha, it's my other hand. He goes, I'm laughing as well because mine's also. And he's even better than him. Yeah. But, but doesn't kill him, does he? Doesn't no, and, that, and that's what's nice about that. And that's like yeah. the true kind of hero thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, he, goes, oh, he chokes physique, which is amazing, really, when he, he can choke a big giant. Yeah, yeah, that is the weakest part of that bit, isn't it? Because you think yeah. that's, it's like he has a fight on him, and that why would that choke him? He's like he's not that strong, is he? But I don't no. know. but then again, I suppose that's the whole thing, isn't it? He's he's been on the you know on the boats 
fighting against other people. Maybe he's got the strength now, but yeah. But I like I do like the stuff about the the piracy stuff, isn't it? That way, it's all about that he didn't actually have to do anything bad because of the name, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's like an honorary title passed down for various people, isn't it? Which is yeah. which is quite nice. And they end up retiring and and going to different farms and doing what they doing what they want to do. I think one of the, the he, he, but the only thing that he does kill uh, Vizini by tricking him into drinking a. Yeah, a that, he does kill him. Yeah, that's a really, it's a really good scene. That is, though, isn't it? Clip. Go on. What you do not smell is called iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among the more deadly poisons known to man. the poison the battle of wits has begun it ends when you decide and we both drink and find out who is right and who is dead but it's so simple all i have to do is divine from what i know of you are you the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet or his enemies now a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given i'm not a great fool so i can clearly not choose the wine in front of you but you must have known I was not a great fool. You would have counted on it, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You made your decision then? <laughs> not remotely, because Iocane comes from Australia, as everyone knows. And Australia is entirely peopled with criminals. And criminals are used to having people not trust them, as you are not trusted by me, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going! Where was I? Australia. Yes, Australia. And you must have suspected I would have known the powder's origin, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You're just stalling now. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? You've beaten my giant, which means you're exceptionally strong. So you could have put the poison in your own goblet, trusting on your strength to save you, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. But you've also bested my Spaniard, which means you must have studied. And in studying, you must have learned that man is mortal, so you would have put the poison as far from yourself as possible, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You're trying to trick me into giving away something. It won't work. It has worked. You've given everything away. I know where the poison is. Then make your choice. I will. And I choose. What in the world can that be? What? Where? I don't see anything. Oh, well, I could have sworn I saw something. I thought, no matter. <laughs> What's so funny? I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. First, let's drink. Me from my glass and you from yours. <laughs> you guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. I switched glasses when your back was turned. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. But only slightly less well known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Ha 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 
Um, so he, he gets uh, Buttercup back and she correctly guesses that he is the dead pirate Roberts and becomes enraged at him before pushing him down the cliff. And as he tumbles down, he shouts, as you wish. Uh, yeah. Now, we, we said this before, didn't we, about when you're younger, rolling down a big a big uh, cliff like that is ice, isn't it? Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Not being adult. Not being adult. No. No. No, 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 no. I used to remember, I used to lie on your side, that you just go down and roll as <laughs> well, like, It's like them people who stick them inside a tyre and roll a tyre down a hill. Have you seen them do that? I think I did that when I was a kid as well. I don't think I ever did. I don't think I wouldn't have been able to have got in a tyre. Yeah, yeah. I've always too tall, but I, the idea of doing that now is not on. No, you think as well. We're thinking, bro, when I was a kid, I'd, in the snow, I'd get on a sledge and I'd dad had tossed to the back of a car and drive <laughs> <laughs> kids don't, you know, and that was just what people did then, didn't they? Well, I used to, I used to ride a sledge in the cemetery, which I often crashed into gravestones thinking about it. So it's probably the reason why I get some bad luck. <laughs> um, Wesley explains uh, the dead pirate Robert is actually a title passed on, and both of them then, because uh, along the way trying to get out their, their love is obviously clear um through the fire swamp which is a nice bit there with them strange rodents clearly some little people in a in rodent suits don't you think that scene meant is a lot like the scene in um flash gordon um you know where, yes. you know where flash is going and, and he falls into that thing yeah 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 and it's like it's a bit like that scene in it that's so 80s but you know in a way i sort of think it's sweet than all cgi cgi is a bit shallow and hollow when this thing's there, even though it looks a bit crappy now, it's sort of got a bit more spirit mm. about it, don't you think? It also reminds me a little bit of uh, Brain Dead. Definitely. A little bit of Brain Dead, a bit like Meet the Feebles to a certain degree, where that with that kind of like rodenty kind of kind of look to it. I saw Meet the Feebles. I think I've never seen it once. Not great. He's not a massive fan of it either, is he? No, I think it's they were. I think they'd gone from Brain Dead, and then there was Meet the Feebles before Brain Dead. I can't remember now, but it's a bit. That it looks like they're going too over the top with the with the with the grossness more yeah. than anything. Have we done brain dead? No, we don't. We don't done bad taste. Definitely done bad taste, haven't we? I'd like to do brain dead again. Maybe brain dead could be a Halloween uh, one. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That no, that has got some classic quotes in it. <laughs> let's not do. Let's <laughs> not do that now. It's the famous one. The don't one do that. now. <laughs> No, I want to do it now, so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, they end up getting captured uh, as early by, of course, Humperdinck. And um, Count Rogan is then revealed to be Indigo, Indigo's father's killer. Yeah. Buttercup agrees to return with Humperdinck in exchange for Wesley's life. But, of course, he gets taken to the torture chamber in the pit of despair done by Mel Smith. <laughs> but that's a weird film for Mel Smith to be in, because... He never really had a massive... I can't think of many other films he did. He did Wilts, didn't he? Remember Wilts? More Once From Out of Space? More, oh, that is a wicked film, you know. What's that? At Christmas? It's still very funny. And who else is in that? Remember? Uh, it's uh, Robbie Coltrane, in it? Yeah. Jimmy Nail. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Griff Rhys-Jones. Griff Rhys-Jones, yeah. Mm. Because you realise Smith & Jones was all massive when we were kids, weren't it? Yeah, I watched some of those the other week. They're not that great, are they? The writing's fabulous, but it's a bit... Mm. Well, of course, you forget as well, Mel Smith was quite a prolific director, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, what um, he wasn't he, wasn't he Griff Reese jones turned around and said about Mel Smith's gout? Something oh, like yeah, that. yeah, gout. Yeah, no, he was on that... He was on that I watched his show, him. one of the questions was like, uh, 
what's the most you've spent on shoes? And he'd spent quite a lot on shoes. And so I said, oh, I bet you and Mouse felt like spent loads on shoes back in the day. He goes, no, Mouse was like goats. He couldn't even <laughs> wear shoes. <laughs> Um, now the, the torture, the, tor- the torturing of Wesley yeah. is an unusual one. What is it? What's it doing? I think it's just a massive sucker, just sucks the life out of you, I presume. Because I mean, they've they've put these suckers on, and it's on his ears and on his nipples. Yeah, that's it. Which your daughter found very funny, didn't she? She did. <laughs> More funny than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? As um, well with that machine, right? So don't turn it up to fifteen, right? Why would you have that on there if you don't want to turn it up there? Yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> like <laughs> I I watched Doctor No yesterday. Watch, you know, it was on TV. It was on, weren't it? I bought no. I went and put the Blu-ray on. All right, yeah. <laughs> I always do that. Yeah, yeah. And I really wanted to watch it. Not only does not only does Sean Connery wear the most amazing suits and clothing in that that film, but there is the bit at the end where the nuclear actor. It's got the danger. Level halfway, halfway. Do <laughs> yeah, you think yeah. to yourself, well, if someone walks past and accidentally knocks it, yeah, yeah. it's gonna blow up? So, why'd you do it? Just don't put it there in the why first place, there, yeah. Yeah, it's like the spinal tap to 11, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> what he yeah. just turn it up, what he just have one being one more, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's 11. <laughs> um, anyway, they they rescue old Wesley, and he's he's not quite dead, is he? No, well, of course not. He's not but quite yeah, this is the this is the Billy Crystal scene. This is like yeah, he's so this, sticking, is a, this is amazing, isn't it? Oh my gosh, yeah. We don't have a clip for that, unfortunately. But because um, actually, it's, like we said before, it's very short. Very short, special. And the main clip of them saying "Have fun storming the castle" uh, yeah. is in the trailer that started off yeah, in the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Well, they take him to Miracle Max, who was recently fired by uh, by Humperdinck, and because he's mostly dead, uh, he's able to bring him back. And of course, he's, the reason why he's mostly dead is just sustained by his love for yeah. Buttercup. Unfortunately, though, he's heavy paralysed. Um, they go and raid the castle. Indigo finds and kills Rugen in a duel. Now. I love that jewel. I think it's a fabulous jewel. We do have a clip of that, so I'll, I'll play that now. Good heavens. Are you still trying to win? You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Stop saying that!
about that is re-watching it when I, I've got the clips is that when you see him stab him it actually looks like a proper stab I think it's the only sort of violent bit of the film isn't it because mm. I think they couldn't get away from that though like he had to do this vengeance didn't he and what's good about that is he's losing and then it's just that his power of vengeance gets him through doesn't it yeah and I also I love as you heard in that clip there I love the fact that he turns around and says you know tell me you'll give me money Tell me you'll give me anything I want because I'll give you anything you want. And he kills him and he says, I just want my father back. Yeah, yeah. And that is just so good writing, that is. It's so it good. And, and you kind he of got his honor back, didn't he? Yeah, he got his honor back. And then, like at the very end, um, when he turns around and says, I, I don't know what else I can do. And he, he doesn't he turn around and say, Well, just, you know, you, you can live, try living. He spent 20 yeah. odd years trying to find him. I love that. It's so good. Um, yeah. They obviously then, like, Buttercup was going to commit suicide because, uh, you know, she got married to Humperdinck, but she never said I do. They end up riding away, uh, obviously all in love and all that. And then back in the boy's bedroom, the boy eagerly asks his grandfather to read the story to him again uh, the next day, to which his grandfather happily replies, as you wish. It's a beautiful story. It really is. It really is. I'm so glad I bought it. Um, that's. I'm just going to show you this now. That's the... The Blu-ray I got. Is it a good? Yeah, good, it is. It's uh, a really nice. Good. It's a nice transfer. It really is a nice transfer. Got much I, on there? I haven't got my glasses, so I can't really read what it is. There's two hours of special features on it. Oh. So I actually haven't gone through it all. So I think maybe I'll I'll do that when I'm on furlough. I'll have a, a look through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got uh, the play. Uh, some comments. So should we play Jen's comment first? Go on then. Okay. Hey, Meds and Kel, it's Jen, your your friend from Texas, from the Anomaly podcast. Um, thank you guys for covering this movie and for letting me send my comments in about it. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. But um, this is a movie we covered a, wa- a while ago. Uh, we shared a, an episode with Anomaly Supplemental and Anomaly, which they were our sister cast that was on our feed. And Sue and Casey just knew a whole lot about, you know, the background. The, they've read the, they had read the book. They, they knew the history, you know, behind um, them trying to, um, to, you know, I think it was William Goldman trying to make a play based on it. And, and then it became a movie. And it just it had a long process of being made. And I learned a lot from, from them. And, and I'm sure you're going to add a lot more that I didn't know because I know a lot about certain things like Star Wars. Like I think I'm prob- probably could get like a degree in Star Wars <laughs> from all the books I've read and just watching the movies, all of them, even the ones I don't like over and over again and just absorbing everything I can about it and just becoming like, you know, a professor of Star Wars and the same with Star Trek. But when it comes to this movie... I think I just love it for the art of it and admire and just let it be, you know, instead of like wanting to know everything about everything. Because again, I mean, it's not even in the same category, I guess. It's just a a different style of movie. It's tongue in cheek. It's, and that's something I was surprised about when looking up some of the reviews on this movie, even newer ones done by younger people who are like, a little corny but it's a great movie and I'm like do you not realize it was corny on purpose <laughs> it's supposed to be silly you silly <laughs> anyway um, it was excellently cast you know from 
Carrie Elwes, Manny Patankin, Robin Wright, Peter Cook, Mel Smith, Carol Kane, Billy Crystal, I mean, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, they were they're excellent. And something I wanted to bring up about Wallace Shawn, who played this Vizzini, is that um, this is a reason why never to trust Wikipedia. I already knew that because the content there, you can't trust it. People are always changing things. Some of it's BS. But if you go look at his filmography, guess what's missing? Well, of course they have, they do have Princess Bride, so that's a thumbs up. But Wallace Shawn also played the Grand Nagus in Deep Space Nine, which is like one of the best characters ever invented, in my opinion. But um, how, how dare they forget that he ever played that role? He is awesome. I loved I love his character. I love that that exchange between him and Wesley during the picnic. And one of these days, I'm going to memorize it. I'm just bad at memorizing long exchanges between characters, but. Um, it's so smart, and uh, that's another thing I love is smart dialogue. And I'm also a big fan of Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant, and just classic movies written back in the 50s and 60s. And my one of my absolute favorite movies is Charade. And what I love about it is the exchange between Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant at the beginning and, and, and throughout the movie. It's just so smart and well done. And... Um, I love that also about the movies that, that Rob Reiner does, and some of them he's done with Nora Ephron, and in particular, When Harry Met Sally. It's just, the comedy is smart, and even when it's being corny, like The Princess Bride, it's being corny on purpose, but it's smart, and, it's, it, and I think that's why I let it be. You know, I don't have to know everything about everything. And God help us if they try to make this into a, you know, if they try to remake this. I really will never forgive Hollywood if they do that. Because, like I said, it's art. Leave it alone. And I, I think that Carrie Elwes uh, put the kibosh on that idea on Twitter, which got him 11.5 thousand comments, 140,000 retweets, and 500,000 loves when he said he was he was sharing an article from Variety about how they were thinking of redoing it he said and this was in September 17th September 17th 2019 he said there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world it would be a pity to damage this one boom drop the mic ah i don't know i really i think hollywood needs to get fresh new stories or start going into books and looking for something to ruin in that area. <laughs> of course, they do, you know, they do do a good job in some books, not all. And I know your opinion of The Hobbit, so I'll leave it at that. But um, I wanted to say that Billy Crystal is my favorite comedian. I love him to death, and, and, and he's perfect for this role, and his pairing with Carol Kane is just comedy gold. Anyway, thank you for covering this. I love it so much, and I can't wait with, to, to hear what the two of you have to say about it. Um, I have so much more to say, but this is going on already five and a half minutes, and, and this is not the Jen show. It's Waffle On, so take it away, guys. Thank you for everything you do. I really love listening to the two of you and your dynamic. Um, even if I haven't heard 
or, or seen the movie that you're talking about. I still listen because I, I love the, the friendship that the, that the two of you have and the banter. You two are funny. And um, the only movie I did not like that you covered, I hate it in the face, is Clockwork Orange. I had to read it in college. There's a lot about that book I hate and don't like the movie. I'll just leave it at that. Didn't get a chance to tell you that back then, so it's in there now. I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. Anyway, have have fun on this episode. I hope this, this wasn't too long and not too late. You guys take care, and I'll keep listening. Stay safe, and peace out. Yeah, I can imagine Shay loved it. <laughs> oh, God, she absolutely does love it. Yeah, she really does. Uh, she's got a lot of good things. In fact, she turned around and says, that the, uh, obviously, we've, we've just played the clip there, that uh, she listens to our podcast, even films that we don't, she doesn't know about which is quite nice and i hope everyone does that i hope people do tune into and find something new and the only that's one she wants... listen... that's the kind of podcast i'd listen to is ones that i don't know about the films well yeah because i like think... finding you out stuff. Stuff, don't you? um the only, the only one that she doesn't like was clockwork orange because she doesn't like the film <laughs> no that's uh yeah you've got to be a certain kind of person yeah i can quite i can quite understand that the funny thing is though she was made to read the book in america right what but the book is different. They yeah, they missed the last different. chapter in America, so you don't get the the conclusion, <laughs> which is really weird. The fact that the, the whole purpose of that film is yeah. the redemption at the end. The redemption. Of- you don't get the redemption in the end in the American version. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's changed now, but when that film was made, um, that's why the film is as, as the film is, uh, not not like the book. So the book is slightly different. We do have a, a email on, sent man. from Tina Maria. That's my dogs. Um, so I'm going to read that out to you now, Kel. So, hey, Meds and Kel, I am so excited about you covering this film. One of my all-time favourite movies ever. Uh, I have so many refrigerator magnets just on the film alone. Wow. and with all the great quotes. Very good. Have you got any uh, fridge magnets? You've, you've still got our old fridge. Have you got a new fridge yeah. now? No, that has, <laughs> no, I'm not much of a tramp. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, I have got... Uh, I've got enters. Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, I've got Life Force, I've got Enter the Dragon, <laughs> and I've got a box from upstairs as well that Emma won't let me put on there because it makes the, makes the kitchen look like a student kitchen. Nice. <laughs> um, okay, so here's Tina's top ten uh, things about this film. Uh, top ten? That's very good. Top ten. Uh, Peter Falk, his grandpa, such a class act, always has a quick line and great banter between him and Fred Savage. Uh, number two, is this a kissing book? Uh, I love Savage's comments throughout the movie. Number three, anybody want a peanut? The rhyming joke. Mm. Number four, <clears throat> the pit of despair. The albino telling Wesley where he is. Again, that's another one of them things where you have to look in the background to see what what is going on in there. Uh, number five, I've got my wife to kill and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> Prince Humperdinck. I loved Chris Sarandon in this role. Anytime I see him in anything else, this is the top character. I also loved him in Fright Night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, number six. Oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? When Princess Buttercup realizes that the man in the mask is Wesley and throws herself down the hill after him. Number seven. Have fun storming the castle. Uh, Billy Crystal and Carol Kane were absolutely wonderful. Mm. Number eight. The scene where Wesley makes it off up the cliff and Indigo lets Wesley catch his breath before the duel, which is very touching and a bonding moment. I'll tell you what I do notice about that scene is how beautiful his sword is. Beautiful. It's a beautiful Probably work. Made sword, isn't it? You can just sword. 
I did actually ask Natalie if I could have a sword in the living room on the wall, and he's I've got, got to go ahead for that one. All right, so, Ricky, yeah. Inconceivable. Dead during the drinking of the poisonous wine. Uh, number 10. Uh, it's just more kissing. Actually, I don't mind as much, mind so much. At the end, when Grandpa is about to end the story and Savage allows Grandpa to end the story the right way. So many wonderful moments that I'm sure will be covered in your podcast. A wonderful timeless film, and thank you for covering the classic. All the best from Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, Tina. Now, I'd, I'd like now, to say what I'd say. What do you think? It's not like a question on like on the sexes, but do you think? Women get more out of this film than a man. What do you think? I think maybe women get more out of it when they're a bit older. I think men get it more when they're kids. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. I think if I was to watch this now, at the age of 30, 12, 13, 14, I think I'd love it because of the sword yeah. fighting, the action play. Maybe yeah. think, oh, I've got a bit of a crush on the main girl. Yeah, yeah. I think women probably. This is only my opinion. Uh, probably like it more now because of the fact that it's a maybe a bit of a romantic I'm not saying that all women like romantic stories no no but... no that's what I'm saying no no what did no, Emma think said... of it what did Emma think of it I don't think you, you ever saw it you've never seen it no see really no I think Emma might like a lot of it but I don't think she'd like Buttercup in it because I think like I said we, got, we haven't talked about that but you know the remake I think if they wouldn't make her so useless in it now do you think we put a cup she be a bit more the, feisty nowadays but the thing is one is a fairy tale she's yeah. not she's not useless because she she clearly owns her own house her own land her own farm she's got a farm hand on there so she can't be that struck up for money yeah yeah so for already she's an independent woman at the start and yeah, yeah, yeah. she is taken by three three people one's a giant who could yeah. who, who actually knocks her out by holding her neck there's a Spaniard who's actually been hired to kill her by the, the king. Yeah. Uh, and you've got a Spanish like sword fighter. So, you know, any, even even the most strongest, even bloody the rock wouldn't be able to get out of that one. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. She's blindfolded and tied up. So she yeah. ain't got much way to get out. She does forcibly not want to get married and goes against everything when she's there. She starts to commit suicide because of fact she's yeah. not going to go through all. So, I think there's quite yeah. a lot of strong elements in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope there is not a remake of this. I think it would be terrible if it was because the great thing about it, because it was made in the 80s, it's got that kind of acceptable kind of fantasy fairy tale yeah. point of view. As no one seems to want to know anything about fa- a fantasy and fairy tales anymore because life's so shit. As I think it'd be ideal to have some fairy tales, you know, like Gulliver's Travels and, yeah, and all this like, stuff. If, if, if they did think about doing a remake any any people that you'd want in it uh, as cast yeah well i think i don't know we're like we've talked about it before i think dave batista could be the giant i think mm. because i don't think the cgi that's what i'd hope that's what i wouldn't hope if the cgi the giants no no like they did with the hulk yeah I, you know i just want him to be a tall bloke and you know, with the with you know, with the way the world is at the moment, talking about like in, in, inclusivity, would they have someone with a, you know, who's got a growth problem? I just don't. Mm. Know, that's it. I just maybe leave it alone. Yeah. But they are doing it, aren't they? It is happening, isn't it? So well, I, I actually saw what what I thought was a trailer for the remake of it on YouTube, and it wasn't. It was just some people making fun of it. But the person who was playing Indigo Montoya was, I think, um, you know, Rogue Rogue One. Yeah, you know the man hero in it. Uh, yeah, I, 
Can't tell you his name, unfortunately. Yeah. He was playing that role. And I looked and I thought, actually, he could play. Or the Oscar guy who played... Isaac. Oscar Isaac. No, no, no. Yeah. Isn't Oscar Isaac in the new ones? Yeah. Well, Oscar Isaac could play it as well. Yeah. Well, I think one thing there is, there's plenty of like uh, Hispanic actors around now, like then, that we didn't really see a lot on TV. So that would be, yeah, but like I said, it'd be, I think it'd be a bit more, in, you know, I'm not going to get too into this, but I think it'd be a bit more inclusive now, wouldn't it? I think it would mm. be, which ain't a bad thing, as long as they keep the story the I same. Suppose, I suppose Vizzini, you could, you could change Vizzini into like, have like a female play Vizzini, Definitely. you know? Uh, it could do that. Um, I suppose you could even have a, have a, have a, a female Spaniard because, hell, man, you could have uh, what's her name? Um, the one who's uh, in Dustal Dawn or Samar Hayek. Sam Hayek, yeah, they would be fabulous. Isn't now, it, yeah, I've, got, see, I've got no problem with recasting because I think it would be different now because you'd have because it is quite what it is quite white, isn't it? But it is a bit, that yeah. was the way the thing the thing's a bit different now, so that would be good to have that. But as long as they keep the the main thing about it, don't I? You don't get too dark. No, no, no. It's gotta, it's, it's gotta be. You gotta make it, it like PG, a fantasy. Because this was a yeah. PG, wasn't it? Over here, PG. Uh, it was a PG. Was a PG. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't really get PGs that much anymore. It's, it's a thing gone away, isn't it? Are you a fan of Cutthroat Island with Gina yeah. Davis? Well, uh, right. I like Gina Davis a lot. I think Gina, it's got some brilliant stuff in it, but it's it's very overblown. Mm. Well, I'm just I'm just trying to think of films which take on a really kind of like really strong female lead. And Gina Davis has been too. She was in Cutthroat Island. And what was the other one where they've got they lost the memory? She's the assassin in it. Yeah, what was that called now? Long Kiss Goodnight. That was it with so uh, Samuel Jackson. She's brilliant in that, isn't she? Fabulous, really good. I saw that film since we bloody lived together. I don't Ooh. think. Well, you think about it. She was in Thelma and Louise, which I think is a pretty bloody strong film for that, yes. isn't it? Yes. Really. Um, it's got Brad Pitt in it as well. That's good. Would you like uh, just a couple of facts before? Come we on, then. Okay, then. So, um, when Count Rugen hits Wesley over the head, Carrie Yours told Christopher Guest to go ahead and hit him for real. Oh. Guest hit him hard enough to shut down production for a day while Yours <laughs> went to hospital. <laughs> um, William Goldman, when he first tried to get the movie made in the 70s, wow, don't know what's going on there. Um, in the 70s, a then unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play. He wanted to play Fezzik. Uh, obviously, that never happened because, he, you know, the film was made in 87. And by that point, he was doing a Terminator. He's, he's, not uh, that, he's not that tall either, is he, Schwarzenegger? He's big, but he's not, like, super tall, is he? I think he's six foot two, six foot three, I think. Yeah. He is a bit of a, a, bit of a big bloke. Um, Mandy Pantinkin claims that the only injury he sustained was a bruised rib due to his stiffening laughter at the scenes with Billy Crystal. Yeah. Apparently, you can see that, his expression during the line, this is noble, sir. Oh, right, um, yeah. We talked about the fact that he gets he gets that line said to him, and he says, I'm frankly absolutely thrilled about it. I can't believe that I got to be in The, the Wizard of Oz, uh, if you know what I mean. I don't know what that Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was filmed, this was filmed in uh, Hayden Hall, a fortified country house, not a castle, uh, that dates to uh, before 1087, when it was listed in the Doomsday Book. The tapestries in Hayden Hall interiors are original, dating to the late medieval and Renaissance period. Um, So there we go. So that's all the facts for today, Cal. What are we talking about next, well, on our next, let's not say next month, because... We, we seem to be actually breaking up all over the place next one. But when when we get next to record, where we serve the scope, we're doing, together. as we've just talked about him, the Predator. 
Which has got some classic quotes to put in. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I, I am, I am. You know what? I have not seen Predator. Well, since me and you live with each other, I guess oh, around about a good twenty years ago. It's, I watched it really recently. I said you love it. You forget how good it is. There might is Schwarzenegger films. Like we always said we were going to do a Schwarzenegger film at some point because he was such a big part of our lives growing up, wasn't it? Even Stallone. Oh yeah, yeah. And I still would like us to do Commando maybe next year or something like that. Oh, Commando's a wicked. Oh, I tell you what, that's a film that's. Uh, so violent. Yeah. And I've got I've got the, the DVD upstairs you can borrow it because it's always cut on TV. Yeah, because it was cut a bit a bit when he flows the in a bit he's in the the woodshed, doesn't he, where he's got oh, the, yeah. throwing the thing out and that don't know. I'll yeah, tell you yeah. what's another film as well, which is underrated. It's Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. No, that's got no, I'll tell you what, and this woke down now, is that has got some really Clint Eastwood's what he says in them things, bloody hell. Oh well, you think about it as well, you know you think about the line in um Dirty Harry. When he goes, I hate spicks, what? Oh. <laughs> especially, especially the spicks. Yeah, he probably believes it. He probably does, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but he's also done a lot of equality, I suppose. He's just a weird bloke because he's got older, you know. Well, he's an old man now, isn't he? But he's still bloody cool. Yeah, I won't have that taken away from it's him. It's like, I was looking at a picture of his son the other day and his son just looks like him, doesn't he? Scotty. He's got the same squint. Yeah. Yeah. That's Scott White. He's in a film coming out about like uh, the outpost about some um, like siege in Afghanistan, and he was one of the soldiers. And there's a picture of him. I saw, and he just look. He's got the squint, and uh, he's got that squint. Looks really good. I, see, that's what I've got. I've got the Eastwood squint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go with the beard and everything. Well then, well uh, that's the end of the podcast, Kel. Anything else you'd like to say before? Oh, I tell you what. Hold on a minute. I have got an audio clip as well to play now, and this is me. Talking to my daughter about the Princess oh. Bride. Hello. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Isla. And um, so we've just done the podcast on Princess Bride. Yes. This is the end of the podcast now. So I wanted to see what, just have your opinion a little bit, being that you're 10 years old, going on to 11, uh, what you thought about it, because then you've just heard two 46-year-olds banging on about it. So um, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Probably one of the best films I've ever seen. To be really? Honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really good film. Why why do you say it was one of the best films you'd you'd ever seen? It's like serious, but also a comedy at the same time. Yeah. It's it's really funny. And who who was your favourite character in it then? I can't remember the name, but it's a big giant man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The big big giant guy. Yeah. (laughs) Andre the Giant. Yes. And why why was he the the best character? Just because he was like a big tall giant. Yeah, he's a bit stupid as well. Yeah, but in a nice way. Yeah, he reminds me of Adam a bit. Reminds me of who? Adam. Who, who is Adam? You have to tell people who's Adam. Oh, our dog. Our dog. Adam is our dog. Okay. And what else? What else do you like about it? Um. Was it a good, like, just a generally good story? Yeah, it was like a really good story. Would you like to have seen it at the cinema? I probably would have, yes. Yeah. You know that they, they are talking about making it doing a remake. Are they? Mm. I don't think that would be as good, though. Why? Because they didn't have Andre the Big Giant. No, I suppose not. Do you think it was that because that was made in the mid eighties? It was a bit more, a bit more kind of like not as complicated as the world seems more complicated these days. Yeah, it it does. Like I think in the sword fighting, they would make it look more like holographic and like they actually, yeah, Mm. like instead of people actually like fighting with like. Did you like the sword fighting in it? It was funny. Funny. (laughs) Think it was more realistic than what you yeah, get now. Yeah, it was. Mm. It was really more realistic.
fantastic. Do you think there's a do you think there's a, a place for in this day and age for those kind of like fairy tale style fantasy films? Um, from your point of view, for you people of your age, I think there should be more. To yeah. Be honest. I think the films made for around about like ten year olds and eleven year olds are more about like not as funny and mm. serious as that them like type of films. So I think they could do something about that. Yeah. But because most of the films I watch are films that are like a twelves and stuff, mm. and like they're really funny but really um like serious. Like mm. the films my age are just stupid. To be honest. Just stupid films. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like Barbie. <laughs> you I don't know get people, many Barbie films. No, I know people my age who watch Barbie films. Oh, really? Yeah. So maybe we should lend them The Princess Bride, do you reckon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say to the good listeners before we go? Thank you for listening. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Off you go. Goodbyes. <laughs> Ah, the mind of a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is there anything else you want to say before we log off? I've got my Hollywood story. Or should I keep that? Oh. For if we, or should I keep that for if we do that film? Because that isn't a, we should do that film. What was the film again? I forgot. Blazing Saddles. Ooh, yeah. Should we do that Christmas? Yeah, and I, I'll keep my Hold story. On, have we done Blazing Saddles? This is where we need the uh, listenership's memory. <laughs> You know what? Why don't we do it Christmas, Young Frankenstein? And then you can talk about it with my... Yeah, my I've got an amazing uh, thing. And I want to... Oh, hold it. Just remind me, because my mind's like that. Your mind's like a sip as well, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listeners, send in an email and say, Kel, tell us that story. God, I probably would have forgot about it by then. Yeah, actually, we could do a special a special uh, Things We Forget podcast. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this uh, for this month's, uh, well, this episode, and we shall see you next time. Bye. Well, there are two lines from The Princess Bride that I love. The one that everyone is very familiar with is, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's the popular one. But I heard another line from the movie about five, six years ago. I was in the gym, working out, running through my lines, my songs for a concert. The, the TV was on, the movie was on the TV, but the sound was off because I was running my stuff. And I went up to my hotel room to have my dinner before I went to the theater. My wife was there and she had the movie on. It was at the end of the movie, right when Buttercup falls out the window into Andre's arms and Robin falls into Andre's arms. The man in black, Carrie, is sitting there asking me to be the Dread Pirate Roberts. And, and, and that 30-year-old Mandy and the 55, 58-year-old Mandy's watching this, watching the 30-some-year-old Mandy say a line that I said, it's in the movie, but I didn't really hear it as that young man. And for me, it's the most potent line in the whole film. And that line is, I have been in the revenge business so long. Now that it's over, I do not know what to do with the rest of my life. And I love that line, and I love it for all of us, because the purpose of revenge, in my personal opinion, is completely worthless and pointless. And, and the purpose of existence is to embrace our fellow human being, not be revengeful, and um, turn our darkness into light. And so 
That's the line I love from the movie. You've been listening to Waffle On. If you'd like to get in touch or join the mailing list, you can by emailing the guys at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also have some waffly fun by joining their Facebook page. Simply type in Waffle On Podcast in the search bar and away you go. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly.